I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service that's chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack. To get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12 Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. This is a Sharp College Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are, we are, we are done. We're done. Like this week, we will be done with our spring football questions as we move into the real dregs of the offseason. But don't worry. We've been talking through categories, things that we want to work through. We're going to do some scheme stuff where we're talking about what the new offensive coordinators are trying to do. We have a number of coordinators that have come into the, the conference. We have position rankings. There's, there's a lot to cover, which is great for us. Um, the season win totals are already out. Early lines are out. There's just a ton of stuff to cover as we move into really like the last ride before like we're like holy cow there's only a month before college football season i am joined as always by rob baron who joins me from sharp college football rob what's going on oh i'm uh i'm excited to be here i'm, I'm like another week behind on <laughs> the previews but uh i need to start 30 through 21 and hopefully i will start that tomorrow that's great. That's great. You know, we, we keep on rocking and you know, it's, it's all right, Rob, you know, like it, it's, what is it? It's like June, the beginning of June, we're headed like to, to that point. So life happens, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Oh, for real. We have two teams. It's the last two teams that we saved. And, and like, honestly, some of it's out of spite because sometimes it's just like, who, like nobody covers Stanford football. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even know who covers these teams for the San Francisco Chronicle anymore. Like, I like, I think that the people that used to cover them that I followed, like did not, when they stopped covering them actually announce who the new beat writer was. So that's yeah. San Francisco Chronicle might not even cover them anymore. I rely on the student newspaper. (laughs) It's a little rough out there. I know right for Cal, the guys that cover that, you know, cover the Cal team. Stanford is just, Holy Moses. It is like, look, I'm not paying like 1099 a month. Even, even when, you know, like every, I feel like the the two four seven. I, I think I've done this spiel before, but basically, like the two four seven model is like they're the Joseph A. Bank or the uh, Red Lobster 
of the you know premium websites where like it's always a sale, right? It's always not, it's like never yeah. not lobster fests or like you know you could never not get seven suits for the price of one at Joseph A. Bank, and like so every week you have two four seven. Like they make all their writers put out gifts of like don't don't miss this one time. Like it's the best time to come half off. But all that to say, like I'm not paying that money to read Stanford football stuff because it's just tough. It's tough. Like their spring, you know, almost every time their spring practice or showcase game or whatever they call the spring game is like four walk on quarterbacks. And like, you know, your mother-in-law is the, you know, is like the left tackle. Like it's like nobody's there. It's, it's just so weird. So we did save these teams, but with that said, these both Cal and Stanford are fascinating teams this year because they both have some interesting strengths. We'll talk about Stanford first. For me, my biggest question with them was like, I, I just got burned so, so incredibly bad on Stanford last year. And I ended up like significantly gambling. Like I did, like we, you know, we argued about Stanford and I was told I was crazy. I like, I don't think, I don't think you literally said that, but, like, <laughs> but I might've thought I'm exaggerating it. to make this sound more dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you look at the offense and you look at the team they have there and you go, they're going to move the football. And then you look at the defense, you go, oh my God. And like, it's worse this year. But as, yeah. I, as I was going through their, their uh, depth chart, I kind of got caught, you know, like you never want to fight the last war. So for me, it was like, you know, I immediately knee jerk reaction. Like this team's going to suck and their defense is going to suck. Like we like, we'll just say Big that right time. now, <laughs> but their offense, while like I kind of, I had high hopes for them last year. And it's basically the same players minus the two running backs that transferred. And I'm like, you know, am I so jaded by last year? Because their season win total was like three and a half. And I'm like, let's go. It's one of the is one of the biggest bets that I made all year. Um, and thank God for like betting week to week <laughs> because it's safe. Like, you know, I, I quickly made the losses up that I made or that that I had, you know, invested when it came to the season total for Stanford, because I really thought that they were going to win at least like, I'm like, they're going to, they're going to move the ball. They're going to win at least four games. They beat Oregon. I'm like, all right, I'm riding high. And then, Oh no, like when they beat Oregon, I was like, Oh no, they could do this. Like, I was like, shoot, that's like, that's like, it's like they're playing with house money after that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason they make those casinos because I'm like, what on earth? They're like, this is so stupid. They beat Oregon and still didn't win four games. <laughs> So, so we look at this, we look at this roster here, Rob, but I, I, I will give you credit. I, when we went into last season, I thought the, I didn't, I did not think the offense was going to be as bad as it was like that. That was one of the shockers I think from last year was how much they struggled offensively. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and to be fair, part of the problem was they started, uh, not Tanner McKee at the beginning of the yeah. year. <laughs> that was a problem. And then McKee got hurt a couple games. And I do, I do think that that injured like, you know, their ability to actually win four games. So it seemed like McKee wasn't right the entire time, but I mean, to, like to your point, like the offense was still bad. They, they couldn't run the ball. We knew that we like, I knew like, I already like that. That's what frustrates me. I had already baked in three yards of carry with his offense. Like I was, I, I got it. Yeah. I'm all right. All right. I got you. But then you look at like McKee, Michael Wilson, Bryson Tremaine, Elijah Higgins, John Hubbard, like they have wide receivers. They should be able to throw this football. And yes, the offensive line cannot run block to save their life, but 
they should be able to keep Tanner McKee upright, right? right. <laughs> and then, you know, like, and I think their their run blocking was fine. But at the end of the day, um, this offense was worse. And like, and, and I'm looking at the roster, Rob, and it's basically the same players are coming back minus the, the running backs. But I don't think it matters because their run blocking is so crappy. And as I'm looking at this, I'm trying not, you know, like when they say, what is it, insanity? It's, you know, expecting the same, you know, the same thing over and over again that doesn't work um, or whatever. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of what I'm looking at when I'm looking at this because their their tight end is going to be fine. The wide receivers are all like blue chip players that should be able to go, be good. Tanner McKee, I think, is one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12. And basically they return their offensive line. But like I, when I looked at my grade for their, for Stanford, I think I had him at like a B minus or a C plus max because I just, I saw this last year. I saw, I literally saw this movie last year and I don't know what to do with it. No, it lo- like that's totally fair. Cause like, as we go back and look, like, <clears throat> I think I have slightly rose colored glasses and a little bit of like, I feel like in a lot of times I end up like accidentally defending Stanford's offense <laughs> because you still have so many people that are like, why are they still doing intellectual brutality? They're trying to run the football and you end up like correcting them. Like that's, they haven't done that in years. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Like Stanford runs huge run pass splits, but not run them. Not the way that you would think based on those people saying it, like it's the other way. Like since 2018, like they have been a pass first offense, but they also like the last couple of years we have like real, you know, honest to goodness football data on them. Like their best offense was in 2018 and it was 39 in beta rank. They were 10 in effective pass, but they were 106 in effective rush 2019. Again, like that's a a regular, we have a full year's worth of, you know, really good data. Um, They were at 65 and again, like 25 in effective pass, but 115 in effective rush fast forward to last season. They're at 92 in beta rank, 58 in effective pass, 107 in effective rush. Here's the thing. Like, if they, I think the passing game can bounce back, right? Like, I think that, like, that 58 number is what killed them last year. I think McKee being injured was a big, you know, not playing him to start the season and then him being injured was a big part of that. And I do think that you look, you go through and you can talk yourself into the wide receivers, you know, working and the, you know, the play calling, at least throwing the ball being better. Here's what you can't do though. Like, I don't think that that run number, like some of the excitement that some people like, so a lot of people are high on like Emmett Smith's kid, which great. Like, but that kid should transfer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If, that, if he wants to go to the NFL, he should transfer. Um, I mean, now a Stanford degree is absolutely a valuable thing to have on its own. So maybe wait till your graduate transfer, but <laughs> for the love of like that, like the consistent thing since that 2017 season is they can't run the football and they've run effective rush grades above 90. And I don't think that's going to change. No, no. I think like when you look at this offense, you have to bake in and we did last year. Like that's why I'm so worried about this. Cause I look at the passing game and I go, they'll be able to move the football. But I said that last year, they were not able to move the football. I mean, like they were able right. to move the football a little bit. But if you cannot run the ball, like it just allows the defenses and, and just the play calling to change and really be able to do different things. And I think that that was part of the problem with Stanford was, yeah, like McKee could chuck the ball and their wide receivers. I, I think I think when you take a look at the wide receiving talent, 
on paper, all these guys are blue, you know, blue chip players. But I mean, when you like last year, I'm like, so are the, the offensive linemen and they can't run block. Exactly. <laughs> and you go like, when you take a look at the the production, is, is there anybody that you're like, oh man, that guy is awesome. We, we had that with, uh, uh, gosh, who was the guy that like randomly the NFL. Yeah, yeah. blew up for like one year. And I'm like, that guy's awesome. <laughs> like, he was really right. good. I did not yeah. see that last year. And all these guys are, you know, it, this is a paper tiger on the offensive side. And I just like, I can't bring myself to let the offense drag me into being roped into like a three or four win win total with this team anymore, because I just, I need to see it actually happen. Like I will gladly get burned betting against Stanford this year because it's been three or four years where I'm just like, Nope, like, <laughs> you know, like I believe, I believe yeah. you know, this offense just has not been able to to turn the corner. You know, our friend Hiplet, you know, thinks that the offense can turn it around throwing the football. I think that's true. I think that they could be a top 25 and effective pass unit again. But I want to be frank, like that probably like caps the offense at somewhere in the 40s. Yeah. You know, which is a middle of the road on the wrong side of the middle of the road a little bit power five offense. Um, That's not going to that's not going to get it done. Because we haven't, I mean, the defense is never getting any better <laughs> as and, long as Lance Anderson's there, right? Like, oh, I agree. And on top of that, though, I mean, like, I've seen the air raid at Stanford. So, like, I get it. I understand that this team has shown an ability to adapt yeah. every once in a while. But even if their passing game is excellent, like, I just do not trust Shaw and the play calling to press their luck. Like, normal coaches would <laughs> you know like I, I think like a, a top a top 25 or like let, let, let's say they get to like a, a top 20 they're, I don't think they're going to be better than 20 in the passing game even with this even with McKee and like yeah uh, oh I agree yeah and I think even then it gets dragged down by the coaching staff that they have like it just it's just it's different and and that's a bummer because on the other side like I think this defense is going to be a disaster like it's just I'm looking up and down the the roster and, you know, particularly in the trenches, when you take a look at the defensive tackle and like what the, they, they like, I think they're probably going to do a three, four type, like, and you just look and you go, oh my gosh, you know, maybe, maybe the linebackers are good and maybe yeah. they have a good corner and, and, you know, you had the Oklahoma safety transfer in outside of that, there's no depth. It's not like Stanford has shown a willingness or like a, an enthusiasm towards playing freshmen because guess what? Yeah. The freshmen, right? Like, you know, it's just, yeah. Ooh. Well, I mean, let's, I mean, their last season, I mean, one of the things that really hurt them was their special teams also sucked. Mm. They were at 85 in special teams. The place kicking wasn't great. That's the majority of where your special team score comes from. <clears throat> um, and, you know, their place kicker only made 10 of 15. Um, he's a sophomore, he's back. <laughs> so, um, and then you've got, you know, like that offense is going to need any help they can get in hidden yards, right? Like on, um, you know, on the return game. Um, and I just, I, I think that this defense is going to be a turnstile and that's going to hurt them. Like, I think they're, I think they're good at like, even if they're able to move the ball, they might be one of those offenses that, is able to move the ball, but struggles to put up points because they they could be in, they could be facing really long field position with a bad defense and potentially bad special teams again. Yeah. 
And when you take a look at the defensive line, I mean, like that's the biggest question for me is like you lose some big bodies and you take a look at what that unit produced last year and they were um, 119th in the country in terms of tackles for a loss last year. And I know that's a raw stat and all that stuff, but like when you think of, I mean, but I do think when you think of Stanford and you think of Stanford football in the past, like that's, it was the party in the backfield. And I get it. That was like five, 10 years ago. Like, but it just shows where they are. Like, it, it, oh, that, dude, that, they that, only created a disruptive play on 16, almost set like 16.7% of plays. Like that is ridiculous. Like we talked about this with, uh, some of the other team, like, you know, take a school like Utah, you know, like Utah created a disruptive play on one quarter of plays, like, you know, almost 10% more, right? Like Stanford was barely doing anything to disrupt the, you know, the, the opposing uh, offense. The, The only saving grace I'm thinking is, you know, their defensive backs coach and their secondary coach is, is good. But, yeah. but I haven't seen it in a while. And I don't think they're getting any pass rush either. Like, I don't think yeah. there's a lot of help. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, I, I want, I want Stanford to be good, but I just think like, even though you see on paper, the ability for them to throw the football, everything else is such a disaster that, and, and like, I don't think this team has gotten that much better. So, I mean, like, they struggle to win four games. Like, if they get to five, I will be shocked. I just I – think, I think the defense collapses on itself, and and you light a candle to make sure that, uh, you know, Tanner McKee stays healthy. Because Ari Paytu, nope. Like, I'm not in at all. And yeah. there's really not a lot of depth there. No, it has suddenly gotten very thin for that. I mean, like – where it used to be, you'd be looking, you'd be like, oh yeah, like that's the guy that's, I mean, like, and, and McKee, I think is, I mean, I was, I was a little, I, I thought he was going to be the guy to start. Um, I can't even remember. I mean, like, is it Jack I West? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, too. that's yeah. probably who it is. And there were some people who were in on Jack West. <laughs> yeah, um, those, those people were fools, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he played in four games last year. I mean, oof. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've just got like I mean, they still recruit well, but they've become, I mean, a, a worse version of you. I mean, like even like USC had to totally crater fire Clay Helton midseason, like basically the team just quit, and they were as bad as Stanford was last year. You know, Stanford is a is a giant black hole for talent. And look, they do recruit quite a bit nationally. So it's not as if they're just like sucking up talent within the Pac-12 footprint and doing nothing with it. But they still have a pretty significant West Coast footprint. And like Stanford having these guys and then doing nothing with them is is hurting the rest of the conference. Because like if these guys went to another team, they might be better. But I mean, I like Shaw. You know, like I, I think he's a really, you know, he's a really bright coach. He's just stubborn. Like he just seems to like be digging his heels in on this. Like I think he's a great voice for the game, um, in a lot of ways. But he's got, he just, he, he's, he seems almost completely unwilling to make changes. You know, like Anderson clearly can't coach defense at this level. Um, you know, and like, like I, I don't think. 
I mean, I think Anderson is the move, right? Like, but you can easily talk me into changing the offensive coordinator as well. Um, but like the main thing is, is like they need a new offensive line coach too. Like they need a new DC and a new offensive line coach. Um, and Shaw has just remained remarkably stubborn about it. Um, you know, despite years of evidence that Anderson can't do this. Well, I want to push back a little bit on the recruiting because you're right that, you know, the 2020 class was good. The 2022 class was good. But when you take a look at who they're bringing in, it's offensive linemen. And that that line has been a disaster, uh, at least from the run blocking perspective. And then it's defensive ends. And like it's not it's not the players that the, you really like you need big like get a big body that can go and push people around in the center of that uh, defensive line. And, and get me some, you know, get, get me some players in the secondary that can really hold their own. And I just, I feel like they're, the, the recruiting successes that they've had recently in the last three years have all been in the areas where you haven't seen the production. And that's worrisome, right? Like EJ Smith, you know, Emmett Smith's kid oh, was, yeah. was kind of the jewel. And Miles Hinton in the 2020 class was a tackle. You had Levi Rogers, who was a guard. You, you, like the majority of that 2020 class were offensive linemen. Well, good luck with that standard because it's been a while, like a hot minute since that offensive line has been good. Probably since the first year that Bryce Love broke out, which is probably like six years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. And then you take a look at, you know, what they were able to bring in this year. These are all young players. And I just don't think you're going to see production out of them. Like you have line, you have a couple linebackers and a couple edge rushers and some offensive, you know, linemen and a tight end. And it's just like I've seen I've seen these classes before. Like it's just yeah. I don't think it's the areas where they're really going to need to build, and um and that's and that's super worrisome. So I don't know. Like you know this this maybe this is like the stamp. We should we should bring somebody on for like a struggle session on here. Where we're just asking them like really really like in a, not that inappropriate but like uncomfortable questions about like what on earth is going on with Stanford and just have them like just really try to work through that because it's pretty brutal this year. Anything else on Stanford here? No, I mean my, I mean really like I I I think if if you're a Pac-12 fan, like my hope is here is that it's bad enough that Shaw has to make changes. I just, I don't want this to be where he can limp through yeah. another season with these, this coaching staff. Like, I don't think Shaw's going anywhere, but like he can't, he can't keep the staff intact. If they win six games, it's the worst possible scenario. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they go to a crappy bowl and then like, it doesn't matter, right? Like they probably lose said bowl and, um, and nobody pays attention because it's like, you know, and, and it's on like played on December 12th or something stupid. And then he can point and say, look at the progress we made. You know, we, we, we only won three games. We doubled our win total. Like, no, no. Like for the love of God, change, change the program. So now I totally agree with you on that. Well, Hey, so the, you know, going from Stanford to Cal and I, I kind of like this Cal team. So let's cover that right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. We're talking Cal. Hopefully, I mean, I'm knocking on wood right now. Like, hopefully this will be the first year in three years where they haven't gotten racked with COVID issues, right? Like, you know, the they lose that game to Arizona and like the entire team is basically out. They're playing a backup quarterback. That was a problem. Rob, I'm I'm looking at this team and, and I fully anticipated because I have been hesitant on Cal the last couple of years. And rightly so. I think I think, you know, for the most part, that uh, skepticism has bore fruit. Although I will be very fair with Cal. They they've had a lot of COVID issues, particularly on the lines and all that stuff. So I get that. But still, uh, you know, for for whatever reasons, Cal has not been good the last couple of years. So I walk into this and I'm going, oh, Cal's going to suck. And then I start looking at the team. I'm like, oh, I, okay. All right. Like I might, this, this team might surprise a couple people, Rob. I don't, did you get that feeling when you were taking a look at what they have? I mean, def- define surprise. <laughs> 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 so I would still slot Cal in as the, I mean, I might even have them fifth in the North, hmm. right? Like I would still take Oregon state ahead of them. I would probably take this Washington state squad ahead of them. Um, and it's not that I like, I think there's, I think the defense, like, look, I was proved mostly wrong. Like I accept that. I think the defense was reasonably good last season, right? Yeah. Like they were 20, like they were middle of the road, power five defense. I wasn't expecting that. They graded out at 28 in beta rank. Sermon did not crap the bed, <laughs> you know, like congratulations. Um, and they got, re- I mean, they were mostly, I mean, and they were in a lot of ways, a lot better against the run. I mean, that was one of our big concerns last yeah. season coming in was that they couldn't stop interior run and they were at 32 in effective rush, 24 in effective pass, but man, the offense was bad. 88 in beta rank. 121 in drive efficiency. I mean, they just could not finish drives. Yeah. And I, it is a hundred percent worth calling out like Purdue's offense got a lot better when they pulled Plummer. And now look, Aiden O'Connell is a really good quarterback. Like he had a 71% completion percentage. (laughs) Now Plummer was at 68%. Um, but that, that offense was significantly better with Aiden O'Connell there than it was with Plummer. And that's, I mean, I think that's the interesting sort of like thing to watch here is like, I'm, I'm not that high on Plummer coming into this. And I, I, I look, I, I, and I, I'm interested to see, cause like, look, I don't think Garbers was that great last season, but he was, he had some decent, I mean, like he's a decent QB, you know, like he's not great or sometimes even good, but, <laughs> but he could buy you something with his legs. Right. Um, and you know, like I just, I just struggle to see them really getting it going, you know, like with, with Garbers there with, uh, with Plummer there and with, with Musgrave calling plays. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I, I, st- so super, super optimistic 
well, you know, what is Cal? You know, the, I was talking about, I forget the comedian, but it's like, how's your wife? And he always answered, compared to what? Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything's relative. But I think Cal, I think Cal's ceiling is third in the North, which I would absolutely take as a Cal fan, right? Because you're either going to get beat by Oregon, Washington, or Washington State. I think Cal should be better than Oregon State this year because Oregon State's defense, I, I just think, is going to be a disaster. And if there's one unit from Cal that I've just seen over and over again be able to field a team that is competent, it's the defense uh, on Cal. I am worried about Jack Plummer, like you just mentioned. because but, wait, but would you take – I mean, like, it's sort of like Cal's defense and Oregon State's offense, right? Like – there, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I might take, I might take the beeves there. If it's, if it's Jebbia, then I would take Oregon State's offense, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if it's Nolan, I would say I would take this defense, and here's the reason why. So last year, right, this defense surprised, and that was with Brett Johnson injured. Right, he got that car accident, and I hope, yeah. and I hope he's fully healthy because he is he is really good and was playing out of position. Like they moved him to a tackle and he was like, what, like two eighty? And yeah, in a perfect world, they have the two tackles and they have some big bodies this year. And he's that defensive end where you look at the numbers, you're like, that's a defensive end. But like, you know, he's a glorified defensive tackle playing on the edge because he can do that. And that, I think that's exciting. Then you bring in like Xavier Carlton and you have some some players here um, on the linebacking core that I think could be good. And, you know, they're return like they, they they have their corners locked in. Um, you have Justin Wilcox there. Like, I just think this defense is going to be pretty good. Like this should be yeah. a top 25. It's not going to be a top 20 defense, but it should be a top 25 defense. I, I think they can improve. I mean, I think they can sit. That's about right. I agree. And then if you flip it over. Their their wide receivers are blue chip players that have size. They have an interesting tight end in uh, Jermaine Terry. Um, I think their running backs are going to be pretty good. Um, their offensive line play has been better than anticipated. But 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 like the thing that really worries me, and, and I think you talked me off of the uh, it taught me off of like already celebrating and popping the champagne is like if Jack Plummer is bad, then that is a major problem because I don't think this. I do not think that Bill Musgrave has it in him to um, field an offense that can't uh, to, to field an effective offense without a good quarterback. I just do not trust him to do that um, because if, if you can run all you want, but teams are going to catch up to that. And if you can't creatively move the ball vertically, then it's a problem through the air. And I just, you know, I, I do not have respect for Musgrave right now. I know he's been under some interesting circumstances because of COVID, but like, like I saw last year, I, I with Garbers. Like I, I think Garbers is a significantly better quarterback than Jack Plummer, is. and they were not good last year. So you have all these pieces, and I'm like, okay, okay, I like Cal, but um, but I guess here's the question: what if what if Plummer gives you a B minus? Like I think Cal well, it, Cal can finish third if he's a B minus. I mean, like you could talk yourself into Cal being. <clears throat> better offensively, right? Like, um, you know, I think this Cal team could, you know, I mean, God, last year they were at, they were horrendous. They were at 88 on offense. <laughs> uh, you know, so like there's, like you said, like there's some players that you, 
well, you could talk yourself into that you like. Um, but I, you know, like that, and this was the first, last year was the first season we really got to see like, you know, Musgrave in action. I mean, and they really stunk. Um, and that's where like, I mean, and we talk about with like the quarterback recruiting, I mean, behind Plummer, it's thin too, right? Like, it's not as if like if Plummer's not working out that they've got like a ton of options. Um, and we saw last season in that game that they dropped to Arizona, like, Ooh, buddy, like, <laughs> you know, Ryan Glover was not good. Um, now, I mean, of course, like a lot of other players were out in that game too. Um, but I mean, like with, with, I mean, I, I think to your point, like I think, but I think better is probably like, um, I mean, like a max in the fifties, like that's a bad power five offense, but they don't have to be as bad. And I, I mean, and that would get like, that would get you into kind of like maybe like the forties overall. Um, and depending on the schedule and I'd have to look at what their schedule is, um, you know, depending on who they get out of the South, um, you know, like it is tougher because like UCLA certainly taking a step forward and we would should expect USC to be obviously better than they were last season. Right. And that, I mean that, that like Cal's going to, Cal's going to need to pick up, God, who is on their schedule now? Now I'm like really curious. So the, their non-conference schedule is interesting, but like, are you looking at conference stuff? Cause, cause their schedule is, I think it actually lays out pretty well for them. Oh yeah. I mean like, so they they got two easy wins to start, right? Like, I mean, how ULV was sneaky. I mean, like if you follow me on Twitter, like UNLV was sneaky improving last year. Like the model definitely um, made some picks like with the running, with the rebels, uh, the running rebels at the basketball team with the rebels last season, but they're going to get beat at Notre Dame, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but you get Arizona and Colorado in conference and those should be doable, right? Like, even though I, like we expect Arizona to be improved, I would still expect Cal to win that game. Now they should beat Colorado, but like at, at that point, then who buddy, that gets tough though. Cause that's like four wins. They're going to pick up at least one more, whether like with Washington state, Oregon state and Stanford, right? Like, Maybe two. Maybe you win two out of three there. Yeah. That gets you to bowl eligibility. Yeah. Like, they're, that's decent. I, I agree. I mean, like, the schedule's like, they're, the, actually, when you, like, to your point, like, the schedule's pretty, if we were doing wins, like, I think Cal ceilings overall as a team is, like, in that 40 range. Um, but the Pac 12 took such a big step back last year. Like, that's, that's, and they're, they get, like, they get the bottom of the, they definitely get the bottom of the South. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, like that, and you t- you take a look at the Washington schools. You know, yeah. at, at Washington State, that's a tough ask. But you get a Washington team that, on paper, I think people are looking back three years on the talent that is on that roster, and you know, Washington should be able to move the ball, but they run against Wilcox in a, in, a, in a pretty good defense. And then if you flip it on the other side, you know, how much do you trust Washington's defense right now with a new defensive coordinator with that's fair. the first and- uncertainty that you've had in what, like five years at the secondary and a team that allowed teams to run the ball like and, and Cal has played Washington pretty and they have them at home like. 
Oh, you're right. They've had their number. I mean, like Cal's absolutely had Washington. <laughs> um, no, I mean, in this Cal team, if they're in the forties, they're absolutely going to be good enough that if they catch Washington or Oregon or even UCLA on an off night, they could beat them. Like Washington and Oregon are not going to be good enough to go in and be minus three on turnovers and beat Cal. Yeah. And I like when I was uh, when I was approaching this team this year, I just kind of in mentally had had thought before I was looking at the roster, uh, they, they're going to finish fifth in the Pac-12 or like in the north. Right. Eh, they'll fit, like, you know, whatever. They'll probably beat Stanford. And then and then I was looking at, you know, it's just OK. All right. This team could be scrappy and this team could possibly go to a bowl. And I'm like, they, they, I don't think there's any world where Cal is the north champion. And I, no. I think it's very like it would be you'd have to sim this probably 50 times for them to get second. But I do think that they're going to be competitive. I do think that this team is interesting. And if, if that quarterback play is anything better than average, which it will probably be <laughs> just average. But if it's anything better than that, then now you're talking like I just think this is a team that you might be able to gamble on. Um, because they're going to get some spreads that aren't fair to the talent and the coaching staff on this team on the, at least on the defensive side, on the offensive side. I, you know, I, I think that Musgrave hire is probably one of the worst in the PAC 12 given where Cal could be, because I think there might be a fall off Rob in the next couple of years, because Cal has not recruited well. And a lot of the players that give me optimism this year, um, in the wide receiving core and like at the tight end spot, at the running back, like these are all recruits that that are starting to filter through the system. And, but there, there aren't the reinforcements behind them. And that worries me. So, you know, yeah, maybe Cal's golden years are making it to the Hawaii bowl and, you know, maybe the Vegas bowl and then that's it. But I really do need to see, but like, you know, smoke them if you got them because <laughs> Cal could certain Cal could be Stanford and, and they're not, I think they're significantly better. No, I mean, like, look, I think if you're a Cal fan, like your Wilcox upside is that he is like Kyle Whittingham and that he can coach a good defense, you know, and he will get that figured out. And then he will just keep trying to get the offensive coordinator right until he does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like if you're a Cal fan, that's your best case scenario. Like, and I, that's not a bad scenario because like you can putter around at like six, seven wins, depending on your schedule, waiting for him to get the offense figured out. Well, and, and one more thing to, to give some credit to this Cal team is they were aggressive in the portal. Like they went out yeah. and got spent. Like how often is it that you can get a competitive tackle, right? We've been talking about, we're kind of mocking every team because you, know, yeah. you listen to these previews and everyone's like, Oh, we'll just go into the portal and get a tackle. Like, well, good luck with that. Um, yeah. They went out and got Spencer Lavelle who was competing for that tackle spot at ASU. I don't think he won it, which is probably why he transferred, but like ASU's offensive line has been pretty darn good. The last couple of years, you get Xavier Carlton who comes yep. off the edge. Um, you know, at least Jack Plummer is, is, We'll see, but they realized that they needed a quarterback. They went out and got somebody that started in the Big Ten. Um, they got Jackson Sermon, who like I'm not huge on, but Odua uh, uh, Isabor too. Like they 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 just they've been fairly creative, and I don't know if you can sustain a program from the portal, but I like the fact that Cal didn't just sit back, 
given the restrictions, like it's, it's not as easy to get into Cal as other schools. And they were pretty aggressive on that front. And, um, I'm just, I'm just hoping cause it, the bummer is when you take a look at the recruiting classes, you're like, Oh no, you know, they, they get a couple four-star running backs and, um, and then that's about it. It's, you know, and, and, and it's up to the staff to develop the talent. Um, but I do like what they were able to bring in last year. Um, that recruiting class was actually pretty good. Let's see if they can do more of that in the future because they're going to need it because it is not easy to recruit to Cal. And I just, I'm worried that there's a fall off because the, the 2020 class was pretty bad. The 2022 class was bad, but they were able to push things through in 2021. And hopefully those, those players that they are able to bring in are able to produce pretty quickly because there could be a drop off. Well, here's a question for you. Why do you think Wilcox is still at Cal? You mean instead of at Oregon? Well, I don't think he would. I know. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked. We, like, that, I don't think, yeah. like, I mean, I just like, I don't think either you or, or I believe he had a real offer at Oregon. So, yeah. No, I'm totally with you on that. But more like you would assume, particularly in the first couple of years when he was building the program, like, I thought Cal was fairly competitive. But yeah. then you kind of take a look around, right? Like the Pac 12, the finances aren't great. It's more right. difficult to recruit to Cal. Um, the, it doesn't seem like the Cal administration is committed to football, which whatever, right. like, you know, I like there are different schools, but, but you are in a power five conference and you kind of have to live in the world that you are in. And it looks like Cal is not willing to do that. <laughs> and if you're Justin Wilcox, like he's a talented coach. I just, I'm curious why. I mean, he must have had a couple offers at some point, particularly like in year three or four. And now right. we're in year, what, like six with him? Is it five, five or six? Um, and I don't know if he has a lot of options left. No, that's what sort of, I mean, like Wilcox is, he is really interesting here because he has, you would, you would assume in the same way that like, what are we talking like with um, maybe with like Mel Tucker, right? Like, you know, there was, there was, it did feel like there was some some momentum going and that he had things going in the right direction. Um, and so you would assume that maybe he had some offers. Um, and he certainly, I just, what I kind of wonder at is like what kind of offers and what kind of places, right? Yeah. Um, because it isn't a great, I mean, like Sonny Dykes is not the head coach at Cal for a reason, right? Like Sonny Dykes was like pretty obviously like interviewing at other places all the time because of all the reasons you mentioned, right? I mean, like Cal got themselves into a massive, I mean, some of it is not their fault. The football stadium sits right on yes. the fault line. <laughs> and so when they renovated it, like they, I think they had to bring it up to earthquake on a, you know, earthquake code. <laughs> So yeah. like, um, but I, you know, so they, I mean, I, they, but they, they were desperately, I mean, just in desperate financial straits. Um, and I don't think, I don't think that there is the kind of investment that you would really need around the football program. And you really have to wonder too, as NIL gets going, I mean, look, like it's not as if Cal doesn't have some deep pocketed alumni, 
but do they even care about the football program? Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's point. like, I mean, Vanderbilt and Northwestern and Stanford could dominate college football. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, that's right. Like you just need all, all you need is the hedge fund bros to like come in and set up an NIL and it's literally over like car dealers ain't keeping up. Yeah. Um, but the, I don't think that Cal can drum up that kind of interest. Uh, and so, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing with Wilcox. I don't think, I, I think he likes Cal. I think he, I think he does enjoy that he can recruit maybe a little better than people might expect for him. And I think that's been true, right? Like but you mentioned it is, there have been some years where there, it hasn't been quite as good, but like he's been sneaky effective as a recruiter, I think. And he hired like Charlie Regal from Arizona. I do. I think like Cal's recruited Arizona pretty well with him. Um, but I also think it's fair. Like, I don't, I think he's, like you said, like he's probably had some offers. I think if we, like, if we knew the, like, if we flipped over the cards on like, and saw who the schools that maybe put the offers in, they would either not be great or they'd be really dysfunctional. Like maybe Auburn, you know, like came calling. Right. And he was like, Nope, I'm (laughs) no part of that. Right. Like, um, Texas tech, those types of schools too, you know, where it's like, they're interesting, but they're, you know, it's just, or you get like, I mean, somebody's offer, like, going to offer, like, to, because he's not like Wilcox is not going to get like a Michigan State type job that Mel Tucker got because like Mel Tucker had also been at Georgia, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, it wasn't, you know, so like Wilcox, like, if he's going to get like, like, if somebody was like with SEC money or Big Ten money was willing to like back the truck up on him, like, maybe it's Indiana, you know, like, it's not, you know, you know, it's not going to be, you know, like one of those really high end type of jobs. Like it may be, you know, or like, you know, I mean, like, he, but he would jump. I mean, like, I mean, the SEC jobs, like the only one you probably wouldn't jump at would be like Vanderbilt, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like, but I, I think that's gotta be it is like, he hasn't had the kind of interest that maybe, you would like, like, like we would think like with Mel Tucker got like Mel Tucker was such a hot commodity. I mean, I, I think Michigan state did a crazy thing in giving him a 10 year deal after That's this insane. one season. Yeah. But you know, I think the, uh, after two seasons, I guess, but like, yeah, I just, I mean, that's the thing is like maybe, right. But it is hard to think of like the, he may, and he may still believe that if he can get Cal going and then turn it into like a really you know, turn that into a much bigger job. Well, here, here's let's, let's leave with this question because I think it's interesting for a while. If somebody asked me, which team would you boot out of the pac 12, right? Just from like an X's and O's, you know, who's going to bring more to the table. And for years, my answer was either Oregon state or Washington state because Corvallis, like there's, there's not a lot there. Right. Um, and then, and, and same thing with Washington State, right? You know, you're in Eastern Washington and stuff. But when you inject commitment to athletics, I think it's Cal, right? I mean, like, they're in the San Francisco market. I get that, right? But if you're not, yeah. like, A, nobody cares. Like, how many people right. really care about Cal football? It doesn't matter. If, and I get, like, maybe for TV contracts to get the exposure there and all that stuff. But, like, this is a program that is not committed to football or basketball. And you can see that. And particularly the hire they made, the last couple hires they've made on a budget Oof. 
they've been awful. And then, yeah. And then you take a look at Wilcox, and it, I, that was a super smart hire. So I do not want to discount that. I think it, I think they they. I mean, for Cal, that's a home run. The problem is right. they're not willing to back him up um, and give him the resources to make Cal better. Um, right. And that's a problem. And I don't know if it's is it worth it. Is it worth? Because you still have Stanford there, and it's not like right. they're not going to play Pac-12 games you know, in San Francisco, there's a ton of alum from, you know, UCLA and USC. It's the West coast, you know, like we're on the West coast. I think it's Cal. I just don't think that they're committed. At least Stanford's well, like Stanford has not forced Shaw to do anything, but they're paying him like $6 million a year. And if not more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they went out and they got Haas and Haas hasn't done a ton for bait for basketball, but like you could tell that they're looking around like, you know, they had Montgomery for a while. I just, well, so did Cal, but um, I don't know. Is that, would that be the team that you would boot if, if you had to from the conference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I think that's fair because like, I think, I mean, like Cal's never getting booted because of the academics and the PAC 12 really cares about academics. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, the PAC 12 and the big 10 are, are those kind of leagues, right? It's like when, when people talk about like PAC 12 expansion and they're throwing around like Boise state, I'm just like, you don't know what you're talking about because that team is never, that school is never getting an invite. Like BYU was never getting an invite to the PAC 12. The academics just aren't there. Um, but hypothetically, like if you could, and that didn't matter, like, yeah, I mean, I think Cal would be a really big, I mean, an excellent candidate because like they're, I mean, they didn't go to a bowl this year. Their basketball team didn't make the tournament. Their baseball team didn't make, didn't just miss the NCAA baseball tournament. Um, you know, like there's just, they're not bringing a lot to the table. I mean, I th- like, here's, here's what, something for you. Like what happens with Wilcox if like when Arizona state gets, a new staff in if like Charlie Regal gets hired to come back to Arizona, right? Like if, if people start coming in and poaching the staff, because like, here's the thing, if you're Wilcox is like, and, and like a, a school like Cal is like, you have to be committed in the PAC 12 to football because the sec and big 10 are about to sign enormous new deals. And if you have good staff, they're going to get poached. Or like what happens if ASU just, hires Justin Wilcox, right? Like, cause I think, no, I mean, that'd be a good hire for them. I mean, right. Like, and if you're Wilcox, even with the sanctions, knowing you probably have three years before anybody expects anything out of you, like you'd probably, Wilcox would probably take that job. Yeah. And it's expense. Like I get it. Right. If you're Wilcox, right. You know, the expectations are, you're never going to be forced. Like, I don't think Cal's ever going to force Wilcox's hand. If, you know, if he's, you know, puttering around at six, seven wins a season. And, and to his, to his defense, right? Like his best years were 2018, 2019. And then what happened? COVID. So, you know, maybe he thought he had a good team and, you know, he had just made the offensive coordinator change. And so I like the, the timing was a little weird, but I just, I fear that Wilcox, I fear like he's, I feel like he's going to make a jump at some point. And, yeah. and we'll, we'll see what happens with Cal. Like I, I, you know, in retrospect, I still think that I would take Cal over Oregon state. Like if, you know, if we really needed to boot one team off of the Island, um, I think it's Oregon state. It's probably Wazoo. I mean, like Wazoo is like way out in the middle of bloody nowhere. Yeah. yeah true, <laughs> very true. But, but at least they're willing to like, 
that program yeah, is will like and, and whatever it takes, right? Like they've made some questionable hires that could have actually worked out. Like they hired Mike Leach after like the stuff at Texas Tech. They took they took the, a chance on Rolovich, who like we thought was. An, oh, they're it, committed to football though. Like yeah. that's the thing about like Wazoo is really committed to trying to make football work and to make the hires to make it work. And and on the basketball side, like I thought they made a really creative hire. Um, you know, the San Francisco coach that has actually yeah. started to turn that program around. So like, it just seems that the administration there and, and they committed to fundraising. It's just none of that stuff is happening at Cal. <laughs> like, not, like not one bit. <laughs> and, and you know, it is what it is. You kind of have to, we, um, we feel that way about like UCLA too a bit, right? Like, I mean, yeah. for a long time, and I don't know if this has changed, but UCLA, <clears throat> UCLA's athletic department, um, at least what I had heard and somebody else may know more about this than I do, was that the athletic department was so much restricted in their fundraising so that they wouldn't compete for dollars with main campus, right? Because like UCLA should have a far bigger athletic budget than they do. Like they should like, you know, they should be like, they should be in the same range as other, as other schools. And they're just not, I mean like UCLA in some ways competes in athletics with one hand tied behind their back. But, you know, to their credit, like, you know, it, it took them like seven tries to hire a, a basketball coach, but they tried. And yeah, yeah. They, basically, I mean, they, they keep at it. Yeah. yeah. And they're basically like, we'll, we'll give you back massages for the rest of your life, Mick Cronin. Just please, for the love of God, come here. And I, no, pre- I, mean, I appreciate like, that. <laughs> but even, even UCLA with one hand tied behind their back still has far more resources devoted to sports yeah. than Cal. Yeah. Like Cal, <clears throat> Cal's, what is it, last like two or three it's got to be two, right? Like, because what was it? Well, who's the guy that went to Missouri, the basketball coach, who Cal was more oh. than happy to say goodbye to, oh my right? God. Yeah, he was a disaster too. Uh, he I was a disaster. Quanza Martin. Yeah, Quanza Martin. Like, because Missouri took him just because he was going to get that one player that ended up going high in the draft. That's it. Like, I mean, he was awful. Mark Fox has been indescribably bad. You know, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, like <clears throat> just on a pure lay, I mean, as, as college football enters a new era of like lar- really large amounts of money potentially being thrown around, um, Cal among the Pac-12 schools might be the worst positioned to compete. Yeah. Well, with all that said. <laughs> that's really encouraging yeah. but yeah. anyway yeah. i think they could win seven win yeah seven I, games this, year. this team is actually kind of good like you know or injured you know they, they are not bad they are a team that will be yeah. scrappy and they will compete and to their credit we talk about this a lot when we when we talk about arizona right that team plays hard that team like cal played yeah. hard all last year and i liked i liked the fact that they were able to do that given some of the challenges that they had with covid and um and I just I just appreciate what Wilcox has built. I just hope he stays because Cal needs somebody like that that's willing to put up yep. with some crap, um, just and, and is willing to be competitive and, and doing some things to to make the program forward. So okay. Well, hey, ne- next next week, let's let's work through uh the best quarterbacks in the Pac twelve. And right. we'll probably we'll add one more topic. Um, whether it's like scheme or ranking and stuff, but like, I do think that it's been a really interesting year for quarterback changes in the PAC 12 and in a good way. I, I think there's some, Oh some my leaders. God. There's like actually good quarterbacks to potentially talk about. Yeah. The, I mean like the PAC 12, um, well, we'll be see. I think they will be better next year and a big reason for it will be the quarterbacks. So we'll talk through that. We'll talk through some other topics. Anything else to plug here, Rob? 
Nope. Just uh, hopefully I'll get that Purdue and talk a lot about if you, if you get a chance to tune in, watch Aiden O'Connell next year, cause he could have an enormous year for the Boilermakers. Nice. Yeah. Keep a lookout for that. And um, we will catch everybody next week. Let us know if you have questions for the next show at 12 pack radio. Um, and where are you at Rob? Uh, at Baderank FB. And we will talk to everybody next week.